Welcome to the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast, where we talk about the clinical and practical issues that face those working in the mental health industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health. My name is Erin Molino Bailey. I am the Chief Operating Officer at Cognitive Behavior Institute and have my co-host here, Dr. Kevin Caridad, who is the owner and CEO of Cognitive Behavior Institute. On this week's episode, we have with us our guest, Dr. Michael Birnbaum. Dr. Birnbaum is an attending physician in the psychiatry department for the Zucker Hillside Hospital in New York and is the program director for Northwell Health's Early Treatment Program, a clinical and research initiative for adolescents and young adults in the early stages of psychosis. Dr. Birnbaum's research is focused on psychotic disorders with an emphasis on the early stages of illness. He is currently exploring the role of social media and the internet in pathways to care for adolescents and young adults with psychotic disorders. Additionally, he's exploring the utility of social media and the internet as a vehicle for timely identification, outreach, engagement, and care of youth with, youth with mental illness. So thank you so much for being here with us today, uh, Dr. Birnbaum. We're very excited to have you. Can you Thanks share for with our... Me. Great. Yeah, we're very excited you're here. Uh, could you share with your listeners um, how you got involved in researching early stages of illness and first episode schizophrenia? Sure. Uh, I, I, very early on, I knew, I knew that I, I wanted to go into psychiatry. It was something that I, I went into medical school specifically to do. I was more concerned uh, that for some reason I would dislike psychiatry and then I would be out of ideas. Uh, so, 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 so luckily, uh, I, I, I did complete medical school. I, I, I realized that psychiatry is where I belong. And, uh, and throughout that process, it became clear to me that uh, I was incredibly passionate about schizophrenia. There was something about it that, um, that was uh, incredibly uh, appealing and intriguing uh, and exciting for me. Um, and as I got closer to the world of schizophrenia, it became increasingly apparent that uh, early intervention was where I needed to dedicate my attention. Um, I grew up in Canada, uh, I, 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 I born and raised in Montreal, and I did medical school at McGill where there was uh, an early psychosis intervention clinic. Um, when I moved to New York, however, I realized that there uh, was a lack of resources specifically for early psychosis intervention. And I became increasingly passionate uh, and motivated to uh, help change that landscape um, and determined to improve services for young folks who are developing schizophrenia or in the early stages of schizophrenia. Um, and, uh, and, and, and early on, I, I, uh, it was, it was, uh, the focus for me was largely clinical. Uh, I wanted to understand how I can help, how we could build services, how we can improve advocacy, uh, and how we can get young folks the care that they need um, to, to improve outcomes. Uh, and, and along that journey, uh, again, it sort of became increasingly clear to me that uh, there was a lot that we didn't know um, and a lot that we still needed to learn. Um, and through um, mentors and colleagues uh, and peers, I, I exposed myself to research uh, and I, I found myself here uh, studying and, and learning how we could uh, improve care, uh, improve the work that we do, 
um, and 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 help individuals who are struggling the most with uh, with the early stages of schizophrenia. Now, as a fellow New Yorker, uh, it's it's nice to kind of have you here. And and I know with regard to schizophrenia, it's one of the more uh, devastating uh, mental health diagnoses. It's so dramatic on its impact and restrictions that it has not only for the clients but the families. You know, what what are some of your earliest experiences? Some of the first few clients you saw and the impact and the impression it left on you. Uh, I'm interested to hear kind of what was that like for you? I remember very early on being exposed to individuals with schizophrenia. Uh, and there's lots of different emotions and reactions. Um, but for me, the strongest one was fascination. Uh, I really wanted to understand what it was like to enter somebody's world, especially a world that is um, as complicated as schizophrenia. Uh, and, 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 and there was something that was pulling me in that direction, that, uh, that, that there was something about these individuals, um, or, 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 or rather, it was clear to me that, uh, that these individuals did not necessarily view the world in the same way that other people might, um, both in a good and bad way. And I wanted to understand that. I wanted to know what it was like. Um, to be able to enter somebody's world in such a in such a meaningful way, um, and ultimately to be able to help somebody who was struggling so significantly. I remember my first experience with some uh, individuals with schizophrenia back in uh, uh, in the psychiatric ward down in Staten Island. Uh, how different their world was as a very novice nurse at the age of twenty and coming up and you know where they believed I brought you this great gift, Kevin, and it's a matchbox car, but he thought it was a real car. It's just how intense it is and, and how impactful. And so how do you make the connection? What led to social media other than it's more of a contemporary form of media? You know, what connections are you making with the social media? And as far as uh, your work, I'm interested to hear a lot more about that. Sure. Um, for, for, for me, um, I, I became, I, I focused my career on social media and the internet largely because the young folks that I was working with were all online uh, on social media and the internet. And um, there is quite a bit of research to suggest that these platforms have a potential negative impact. Um, but at the same time, it's obvious that they are not going anywhere. Um, they're here to stay. And young folks with schizophrenia, just like their healthy counterparts, are using Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and so I wanted to learn how we could harness these platforms uh, rather than try to avoid them. Uh, how, how can we use them to our advantage, again, to help improve the work that we do? Um, I knew that there were several challenges in the world of early intervention, um, including very high rates of relapse, meaning that once people are in early intervention programs, uh, often illness comes back and people end up back in the hospital. Uh, another challenge is the incredibly lengthy amount of time that individuals, especially young folks, are sick before they finally get help. Uh, in the U.S., it could be uh, on average 74 weeks and, 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 uh, and, and even longer uh, for, for some other psychiatric disorders. Um, 
And there was something about the ubiquitous nature of the internet and social media uh, that made me think, uh, and the folks that I'm working with, think about ways of incorporating these platforms in the process of improving some of those challenges and addressing them in a more meaningful and impactful way. So tell us more about what you're actually doing and how, how have you conceptualized it and you know what applications are you doing and what meaning are you getting from it? Sure. Uh, so, so we're exploring the utility of social media and the internet in a variety of different ways. Um, one of the things that we are doing is trying to understand what mental illness looks like on the pages of social media and the internet. Um, we have a pretty good sense of what schizophrenia looks like when somebody is in the office, uh, signs and symptoms that are associated with the condition. We don't yet know how that manifests itself on the pages of social media and the internet. And so one of the things that we're doing is uh, using machine learning um, in collaboration with computer scientists at Georgia Tech uh, and IBM and Cornell Tech uh, to understand uh, how mental illness presents itself on Facebook, for example, or on Google, based on what people are searching for, what they're saying, what they're posting, um, their behaviors online, and also, uh, what relapse looks like on the internet uh, and, and, and over social media. And, and, uh, and what we've learned is that there are pretty substantial differences in the words that people choose to use uh, on Facebook, for example, and also on Twitter. Uh, and there are pretty substantial differences in uh, the images that people upload. Um, based on a diagnosis that they either have now at the time of consent, and even looking back uh, in one study, we looked 18 months in advance of the first hospitalization, presumably before anybody was diagnosed with a psychiatric disorder or formally diagnosed with a psychiatric disorder. And there were already kernels, uh, differences in, in the language use of individuals who would later go on to develop uh, or be diagnosed with either a schizophrenia spectrum disorder or a mood disorder. Um, and so there's a lot of knowledge to be learned uh, and, and gained from understanding uh, social media and the internet. Um, and the next step for us is really figuring out how we could effectively and ethically incorporate that knowledge into clinical care. The goal ultimately is to um, is to create a space that we could use digital data uh, to to better understand individuals. Um, I guess uh, any questions? No, it's not, you know, <laughs> I was what talking things, for a long time there. Yeah, you know, one of the things that's popped up in my, that I've seen is uh, kind of it's, I think it's called text hotline where they kind of take aggregate data uh, and there's certain key phrases where it's a predictor of likely individuals to act on suicide and they set interventions. This is sound a lot like that, that somehow you go out there and get aggregate data, whatever pattern is there, both search or, or what they're seeking to say, hey, these people are likely to do that. And then you kind of talk about the ethical concern because I'm thinking when individuals call into a text 
uh, hotline specific for suicidality is a certain kind of expectation there. But kind of how do you go and do that from uh, unless it's in a controlled study more, I guess, you know, how do you do it externally where you're surveilling this and then execute it in a way where you're using to say, hey, you should go get checked out? Because I think you're right. There's some ethical kind of uh, ethical kind of things to think about. And so what are some of the things that you've uh, concretely kind of run into and in thinking about within the current research? Sure. I, I, I think that's a very important question. And I want to emphasize that in no way uh, is Twitter or Facebook or Google alone ever going to be capable of making a psychiatric diagnosis in the absence of a clinician. Um, and in no way do I ever imagine this being used as a form of surveillance to uh, monitor otherwise healthy individuals or folks in the, in, the, in the population to suggest that they have a psychiatric disorder. However, I do imagine a world where uh, patients who are in control of their own data can donate their data to inform their clinical care, much like uh, we go to the dentist and we get an x-ray. Um, or we're asked to get a blood test when we go to a primary care clinician. Um, similarly, I imagine a world where patients can go to their psychiatrists um, and provide access to their digital data so that the psychiatrist is able to make more informed clinical decisions. And this is really a part of a larger effort, not simply to use social media, but rather to incorporate technology into psychiatry, right? So this is part of an effort to understand what our digital fingerprint looks like based on online activity, but also things like speech analysis and facial movements, um, wearable devices, cell phone sensors, all these things that could be used to understand how an individual thinks and behaves uh, and changes over time, uh, the internet and social media is a piece of that puzzle. And so again, I imagine a world where it would be fully immersed and integrated into psychiatry um, and the patient would be in control of what they choose to donate and what they choose not to donate. But ultimately it would be to improve um, care and improve outcomes and have uh, additional clinically meaningful objective data, collateral information that could inform um, treatment decisions. No, it sounds like your, your research is very forward thinking and with social media platforms always ever changing, I know the latest hot uh, social media platform really seems to be TikTok. Is that something that you've looked into in your research? Yeah, so th I, I, that that is that's a good question. Uh, we haven't yet looked into TikTok, uh, and often um, one of the questions that comes up is uh, is how specific are these signals to the platform, um, and and that is a question that has yet to be answered. Um, we, th th there are some signals that are likely non-specific, meaning. Um, they, they would be apparent regardless of the platform in language, for example, but there are some social media sites that don't necessarily use language. Um, and so uh, in some of the research that we've done so far, we've started to look at 
image analysis on Facebook and also on Instagram. Uh, and similarly, we'd like to start analyzing videos on TikTok. Um, and the important question will be what are similarities and what are differences between the various platforms? I imagine also uh, that young people use different platforms in different ways. So information that we might learn on one platform may not be accessible or the same on, on another platform. Um, and again, I think that's why there is an emphasis on this being a piece of the puzzle, that it's not going to be a solution to all of these challenges, but rather understanding how we could uh, find a personalized footprint for each individual and use that to assess changes over time. So, for example, um, TikTok may be relevant to one individual but not another one because they're using a different platform. And so the, 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 the goal would be to understand an individual's personalized uh, online experience and how we could measure that in a more objective way uh, and use that to better understand um, how people might be changing over time. In the case of schizophrenia, for example, uh, we may we may monitor we may want to monitor for relapse, um, and TikTok may be relevant for one individual, Facebook relevant for another. Yeah, so I know technology has been there's a lot of technology coming out to really be helpful with both recognition as well as monitoring. Uh, Sand is is one of these groups where they're using these biomarkers on voice to identify cognitive uh, problems like. Uh, uh, slow cognitive functioning, sleeping issues. Uh, is there anything you can see from the social media aspect and some of these other technologies, how they could form moving forward to help improve outcomes? Anything uh, specific you can think about or other technologies that you're seeing? Yeah, uh, so well, so you, analyzing social media and uh, an internet search activity is, uh, is one of the many projects that we're doing at the Early Treatment Program. Uh, and at the Zucker Hillside Hospital in general. Um, we're also analyzing speech uh, and uh, analyzing facial movements um, and uh, incorporating a, uh, several other uh, digital technologies uh, into uh, inpatient outpatient psychiatry. I think the challenge will be exploring different ways of incorporating the many different digital data sources and coming up with a platform that could effectively integrate them uh, and also be able to analyze it in real time and ultimately be able to inform clinicians and inform patients in, uh, in, in, a, in a relatively short amount of time so that it's actionable. Right now, the vast majority of the research is collecting information, collecting data, analyzing the data, um, but not yet, uh, it hasn't yet achieved um, impl implementation status. I think we still need to work together, a variety of stakeholders here, including patients and, 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 and family members and clinicians and researchers uh, and, uh, and technology companies to figure out how we can do this effectively and ethically. Um, but, but that is really the next big challenge is, uh, is, is, is extracting meaning from the universe of, of digital data, yeah. um, and being, being able to turn it into actionable items, um, 
that still requires uh, quite a bit of thought um, and research, but we are moving in that direction. Okay, great. You know, some other things that come to my research, you know, one of the things I was looking at, I was looking to do, I didn't get to do it with dissertation and uh, people that are familiar with this podcast will know my fascination with fractal patterns is, is I wonder, is there any work out there that you've seen uh, with organic diagnoses like uh, schizophrenia or bipolar disorder where uh, there's been some type of analysis done where you look at psychrometric measures over time, in a sense, uh, because it's organic. And so they're likely to follow a fractal pattern like an EKG that you can then measure that and then to some degree predict where to then place higher levels of care or at least surveillance to mitigate anything. Have you seen any of that type of research out there? I'm not entirely sure. Can, so can you help clarify what you mean by that? Uh, folks with folks with psychiatric disorders. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, depressive, depressive, like a, a, a BDI, like for depression or something yeah. specific for a psychotic assessment uh, that's kind of can be numerically conceptualized and, and, and kind of scored. And then looking at that over a time series and then looking for kind of a specific pattern to repeat so that because, uh, you know, these patterns tend to go in a certain uh, method that it's likely yeah. to say, OK, during this period of time in the future, there's likely to be an episode. And so then you really kind of focus on increased surveillance or visit frequency or, or medication adaptation? Yes. Uh, so actually, um, we, we're working on a NIMH funded uh, R01 application. Uh, mm -hmm. This is uh, in collaboration with Georgia Tech. And what we are doing here is monitoring individuals um, over a year uh, with schizophrenia. And um, they are, uh, we, we, we do uh, symptom rating scales uh, and assess um, the severity of their psychiatric symptoms over time. And at the same time, we're extracting their online data from Facebook and Twitter and Google and Instagram. And the goal there is to uh, see if we could identify those changes over time and ultimately be able to predict the incident before it happens um, with the long-term goal of being able to intervene earlier. So the more that we understand what that signal looks like online, uh, hopefully we'll be able to then explore some intervention research where we study whether or not um, intervening early might uh, impact uh, the, the outcome, in this case, uh, a hospitalization for a relapse or worsening psychiatric symptoms. That's exciting to hear uh, because that's where the future, imagine mitigating those kind of things and the outcomes. And so I'm glad that you guys are doing that. Uh, that's something that I've kind of thought about for the last decade or so, but I'm not in an area, we don't uh, deal with a lot of schizophrenic clients. So uh, that's nice to hear. And I'd like to continue to follow that, keep us updated on that. On that, well, I certainly will. That's awesome. Yes, absolutely. It, it definitely sounds like you're very dedicated to your work and yeah. many interesting things that you're, that you're looking into. So we greatly appreciate you being here with us today. Yeah, come back anytime. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, we would love to uh, have you join us as your research furthers and um, there's more you know, interesting things to share with our listeners. So please do come back and join us another time. Thanks so much, guys. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us this week. And we will see you on the next episode of The Barrier Breakdown. Thanks for listening to The Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast. Check out our website at cbicenterforeducation.com for more information and to learn about upcoming continuing education events.